You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I am Dave Cover. We're going to look at a little five-verse psalm today, Psalm 43. Psalm 43 is actually kind of a part two to Psalm 42. That was the one that starts as a deer pants for flowing streams. So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And then it goes through the whole kind of a downer emotionally. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you such in turmoil within me, hope in God? For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. It says that twice in Psalm 42. And then Psalm 43 has that same phrase exactly once. And that's at the very end in in verse 5, the last verse. And so we're kind of, you know, it's probably uh, written by the same person as an extension and, and and this psalm, Psalm 43, is just dealing with somebody who's trying to cling to the promises of God at a time when they emotionally are struggling. And you and I don't always come to the psalms emotionally struggling. It depends on our personality. Some people tend to see things a little cloudier, and some people see the sun breaking through the clouds. And sometimes we see it different times. In our lives, our mood is different. The weather affects us. What's going on in our relationships affects us a lot. And it just is the way life is. We live in a messy world this side of the new creation. And we live in a world that's in exile, as we see in Genesis 3. And so there's thorns and thistles in our life relationally. And just in the course of life, there's dust and death. And uh, and so, of course, with thorns and thistles and dust and death, we're going to have emotions that are affected by the realities of life in this world. It's just the way life is, and things go well, and they go poorly at sometimes, and so we have to just deal with that. Sometimes we turn to a psalm like Psalm 43, and you're not in an emotionally struggling mood. You're doing okay, but it starts off talking about how things are really tough, and so you're thinking, well, this psalm isn't for me. But what I have found over the years is that even if I'm not emotionally identifying with the emotions of the psalm, there's a sense in which my true condition is the need of the psalm. And so this psalm starts off, Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. Now, I may not be going through a time in my life right now where unjust and deceitful people are attacking me in some verbal way, in some way where where I, I want God to defend my cause, where I want God to plead my cause, as it says in the NIV, that I have some sort of conflict with somebody that I think is due to their false accusation and their sense of unjust or unfairness toward me or lying about me. And so I'm coming to God in need to make that vertical and not just horizontal, not just to deal with these things that happen in my life by me trying to navigate my situation with people and strategize and react and get angry and have arguments. And that's a kind of a bumper pool way of trying to deal with life. But that's not the way that the 
the Bible wants us to live. The Bible wants us to live vertically, where we take these things vertical to God. So the first words out of the mouth of this psalm is to take this problem to God. Now, you may not have a problem like that as you come to this psalm. And so what I do a lot is if I'm not in a situation where that first verse resonates with my circumstances, I still want to understand the situation being that I am in need of God's protection always, more than I have any idea. We live in a world of spiritual forces that are always trying to bring trouble my way, slander my way, deal with uh, trying to trip me up in temptation or trying to cause me to get my eyes off of God and unto myself in pride. So I, I, that's the world I live in, whether I feel it or not. And so a lot of times the more downer psalms, at least the ones that start with kind of a down emotion, are reminding me of my true condition, even if I feel sort of a, a blue sky mood, that may not be accurate. And so our emotions are very rarely accurate. One of the most secure moments in my life where I felt emotionally secure and warm and cozy was when I was on a drug, uh, Versed, before I was having ankle surgery. So here's one of the more, you know, more dangerous times, and that was the same before spine surgery. And so these are times when you're getting ready to go into surgery under anesthesia, and any of those times is dangerous. All kinds of things can happen. And yet I feel really secure emotionally because of just some chemical in my blood. I'm not trying to get you to say, so drugs affect us. I'm trying to get you to see that our emotions often deceive us. Our emotions can't be trusted. So that whatever's going on chemically inside of us with hormones or just with life, with food we eat or just the course of our mood, our emotions are not accurate. Even if they're positive, they're not always accurate. And when they're negative, they're not always accurate either. And so what we're trying to do in the Psalms is to put our emotions according to what's true. So you may be in a mood right now where you do feel like you need to pray, God, give me favor in someone's eyes, plead my cause, deal with the slander, you deal with the false accusations, defend me, and whatever it is that you need to take your situation vertical, that would be a prayer that you would resonate with. If it's not a prayer you resonate with, it's a time just to remind yourself of your need for God to, to be your protection. For God to be your fortress, for God to be your security. And so verse 2 says, For you are the God in whom I take refuge. What comes to your mind when you think of that? This is an imagination kind of thing because the Psalms appeal to our imagination as all poetry does. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. That's a very imaginative situation. And so right off the bat, we're thinking of ourselves as needing to take refuge, hide ourselves, protect ourselves in God, that in God we take refuge. And it's sometimes good just to imagine that. But then the next verse is kind of a curveball. It says, why have you rejected me? So here's a psalmist who's believing the promises of God and at least enough to want to come to God in prayer who's asking God, why, has, why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Now, we know that in, if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, theologically, God has not rejected us. And yet, the Holy Spirit has given us this prayer because sometimes it's how we feel. 
it's, it's rejected might be too strong of a word. You can also translate this word. Why have you pushed me aside? Why do you feel far off? And there certainly are times in our life that God feels far off, that we feel like God has in some sense pushed us aside and he's not paying as much attention to our situations, it seems. Now, we know theologically that's not the case, but we feel that way sometimes. And the Psalms want us to be honest about our feelings. We're not trying to pretend. We're trying to be honest with God. We're trying to bring our real feelings to God. That's what prayer is. It's not pretend time. It's authentic time. It's times where we're just being honest with God. And so remember Jesus on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was Jesus quoting from Psalm 22, a Psalm of David, where David was asking God, why have you forsaken me? These are just sometimes the prayers of God's people, and they're the prayers that the Holy Spirit gives us to pray. Verse 3 says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill, or the NIV says, your holy mountain, and to your dwelling. I really like that verse, and we're going to pray that verse in a minute because that's one of the verses that I pray a lot, which is why I wanted to do this psalm. It really kind of comes down to a few verses in this psalm that always seem to resonate with my desire. But I like what what the psalmist is saying here is that what what's what's really needed is truth. What's really needed is light. I need God to send out his light, to send out his truth, to lead me and to bring me to his dwelling place, the the place of his glory, the place where he is bringing me into his his security, his fortress, his refuge, his presence, his glory, his love. And so in Revelation chapter 21, when the new heaven comes back to earth, renews the earth, restores the earth, verse 10 says that, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like very precious stones, all that. So it's talking here about the new heaven, the new earth, that the, when heaven comes back to earth, the language is a holy mountain. The language is the glory of God on a mountain that is a restored city, a restored dwelling of God on earth. Now, this is a vision. This is imagery. It's not literally trying to describe heaven for us. This is symbolic language. Whenever the Bible talks about this holy mountain, this high up, this shining with the glory of God, that's the language of Eden. That's the language of God's dwelling on earth. And so that's what has that's what's happening here in Psalm 43 is this, the psalmist is saying, look, I need you to send me your light, which is God's revelation of himself, the revelation of truth. And so send me your light and your truth, he says, let them lead me. And so I imagine God leading me because he is sending light, awakening me to reality, replacing the darkness with his glory replacing the darkness with his truth, replacing confusion with enlightenment. Send out your light and your truth. He's enlightening the eyes of my heart that I would know the hope to which he's called me and the riches of his glorious inheritance for me. Send out your light and your truth and let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy mountain and to your dwelling. 
ultimately this is what life is all about, that we would be brought back into the presence of God, the glory of God, his light, and his truth would replace darkness and deception and falsehood in our lives. Darkness and deception and falsehood that tempt us with lies and false promises, but also darkness and deception and falsehood that give us false emotions as if God has abandoned us, as if God is far away from us, like the psalmist prays in verse 2. Whenever we feel abandoned by God, whenever we feel like God is far away, we need God's light and we need God's truth to bring us back into the reality of his holy presence. So he says in verse 4, Then I will go to the altar of God. That's the idea of the very presence of God in the temple. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre. That's like a little guitar. I'll praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. I will come into your presence. Hebrews 4 says we're coming before God. We can have confidence to come before his throne of grace. Is the language in Hebrews 4, to find grace, to find help in our time of need. Hebrews 10 says that we can have confidence to have our conscience cleansed, our bodies cleansed with the purity of the blood of Christ so we can come before the throne of God with boldness and confidence because Christ has given us access. So we want to bring the gospel and the truth of the gospel back into these old psalms. These psalms that are a thousand years before Christ can be read in light of the larger story of the Bible. And that is Christ brings us to the altar of God. He brings us to the very presence of God's holiness. And in God's presence is fullness of joy. Remember Psalm 16 verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now that's talking ultimately about the presence of God on a restored earth when God returns and we are present with him, he dwells with us. But it's also true now when God sends out his light and his truth and brings us back into the reality that he hasn't abandoned us, he hasn't forsaken us, he's not far away. We can come, as Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 10 says, before God's throne of grace right now, we can come in our imagination, we can come in the enlightened eyes of our heart, to God's very presence, God's very throne, the altar of God, and to God that gives us exceeding joy, he says, this joy of God's presence that we will have fully on a restored earth when heaven comes back to earth and we will have a resurrected body without sin, but we can have it now. We can have taste of God's reality now as we have this sense of joy And I will praise you, O God, my God. This is the whole promise of the Bible that God offers himself. He commits himself to be our God, that the forever God would be our God forever. This is the promise when we get to, again, looking at the very end of the Bible. Revelation 21, verse 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. 
And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the larger story. This is the unified story of the Bible. This is the story that we are being summoned into, that God is creating a people, a new humanity centered around Christ, that break through death by the death of Christ and have a resurrection like Christ on a resurrected earth and heaven comes back to earth and God himself is dwelling among his people and he will be their God forever. The forever God is going to be their God forever and he will be with them and there will be no more pain. There'll be no more anguish because he is making all things new. And these words, all we have now are words, All we have now is a promise, but this promise is trustworthy and true. How do you know? Because Jesus has risen from the dead. He died and he rose from the dead, and that has already happened. And so with his resurrected body, with his resurrected body, the new creation has already begun. And this is the story your life is in. And we have to remind ourselves of that instead of feeling far away and that God is far away. We have to remind ourselves, God, send me your light and your truth and let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy presence. To you, God, you are my exceeding joy. Oh, God, you are my God. And now verse 5 goes back to the reality of feelings. Why are you downcast, oh, my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Again, I I like the fact that the Holy Spirit has given us this prayer in Scripture. It's it's just real. That we, we have times where we're just down. We have times of doubt. We have times where we don't feel like God is near. We get depressed. We get anxious. We worry. And, and what the psalmist is doing is talking to himself. And sometimes we just have to talk to ourselves. Too often we listen to ourselves, but talking to ourselves is the key. Why? Why Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? The next phrase says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, the forever God is my God forever. He is my salvation. He is the one who restores my life. He is my healing. He is my restoration. He is my salvation. He is my righteousness. He's the one who justifies my life. He's the one who is the meaning and significance to my life. He is my God. The forever God is my God forever. And so we always have to deal with this reality of what I feel versus what is real. That's why I like this little five-verse psalm. It's, it's just really making me wrestle with what I feel versus what is real, and it's reminding what I feel what is real. What is real is that God is my salvation, that God is my God, whether I feel it or not. God is my salvation. God is my God because Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already risen from the dead. It's all true. The new creation has already begun, and so the God of the universe has committed himself to be my God, and he has sent out his light 
and his truth. That's why I'm even praying right now. That's why I'm even looking at the Bible right now is because he has sent out his light and his truth by his Holy Spirit and given me a desire to come before him. And so his light and his truth has led me and brought me to his holy mountain, to his dwelling, his throne of grace, to find grace and to find help in my time of need. This is what is real versus what I feel. And eventually as I read this psalm and I meditate on it and I remind myself and I speak to myself instead of just listening to myself, I come to the point where I feel more and more in line with what is real. All right, so we've talked a little bit about what this psalm means, but let's do this. Let's, let's pull the thread through the needle, and this is really important. Let's just take a moment and pray the parts of this psalm that resonate with us. When we, and when we do that, it, 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 it really does something deep inside of us. When we can pray Scripture, there's something about Scripture. Remember, Jesus says in John 6, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians that when you receive the word of God from us, not as the word of men, but as it is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe, there's something about when we pray scripture that we are feeding our faith and God's word is at work and the spirit of God is taking the words of God that are spirit and life and working in us and changing us and something happens deeper in our soul when we pray scripture. So let's do that now. Let me just take a few minutes and let me lead you in a time of praying through this. Try to make my prayer your prayer as you think through what I'm saying. And we can do this together. The Spirit of God has given us a prayer here through the psalmist. And so I'm just going to take this psalmist prayer and say it out loud. And we can make it our prayer as we do this together. Okay, here we go. Oh God, my Creator the creator of this entire universe. I have no idea how incomprehensibly glorious and awesome you are. So I pray that you would send out your light and your truth and let them lead me and let them bring me to your holy presence. Your light of your Holy Spirit would enlighten the eyes of my heart and replace falsehood with truth, replace darkness with the presence of your light, the presence of your glory, the presence of your love. Send out your light and your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is spirit and your word is life and it is at work in me. Help me to have greater trust in your promises to not go on my feelings all the time because my I don't always feel what is real and so I pray that you would send out your light and your truth in me by your Holy Spirit through your word and that you would lead me let your light and your truth lead me and bring me push me and pull me lead me and bring me to your holy hill your holy presence because in your presence is fullness of joy 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 is at the very center of who you are joy is the very glory of your promise the glory of your presence the glory of your light 
Your truth brings joy. Your light brings joy. Your love, your steadfast love brings joy. Your presence brings joy. And so I come before your throne of grace. I don't come on my own. I don't dare come on my own. I come in the righteousness of Jesus. I come clothed in the pure light of Jesus. I cling to Jesus. I come in Jesus' name, not my own name, before your throne of grace. And I pray that you would give me your mercy, your steadfast love, your light, your truth, that you would give me a greater sense of your presence, that you have not abandoned me, but that you are with me, that you are my salvation, you are my righteousness, you are my restoration, you are my glory, you are my security, you are my confidence, you are my healing. You alone heal me, and you alone are my salvation, and you are my God. I trust you most. I trust you first. I turn to you first. I submit to you. You are my God. You are the forever God that is my God forever because you have committed yourself to me as my God forever, and because you have committed yourself to be my God, I can have security and I can have hope and I can have confidence, and I can have exceeding joy because I am inside your story for me, this story that has this promise of you bringing me to your holy hill and dwelling with me forever and wiping every tear from my eyes. There'll be no more pain or crying or death or separation because the old order of things has passed away and you're making all things new. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that whoever has Christ is a new creation already, that you have begun the restoration in me because Christ has already risen from the dead. And so I trust you to continue to heal me, to continue to bring restoration in my life, restoration in my soul, that I would come before your throne of grace, God, in Jesus, to receive the confidence of your love and your goodness for your will for my life. And so I submit to your will. I submit to your love. Send out your light and your truth in me and lead me to your glory. Let them bring me to the presence of your glory, your dwelling your steadfast love. Oh God, you are my God, and I praise you. I worship you. I bow to you. I submit to you. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. You are my fortress. You are my deliverer. And I give thanks to you for this promise that has been guaranteed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You are my salvation. I hope in you, for I shall again praise you, my salvation and my God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life. 
a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.